What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Many Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, animals who like to play doctor. These critters have degrees in pharmacology they earned at Pile of Twigs and Leaves University. Paging Dr. Yogi Bear, we've got a serious case of the itchies and biteies. From insect repellents to treating dangerous bites, we'll find out that animals can look at a tree and see a pharmacy. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, would you call an elephant midwife more of a mega-wife? Joining me today is friend of the podcast and producer of many lovely iHeartRadio shows, including the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends, Joelle Monique. Welcome! Hey, Katie. Thanks for having me back on such a dope topic. I'm (laughs) assuming no birds are into doctoring. Well, there's like Uh a few. A few birds. Okay. All right. Once again, I will face my fears with you. Joelle does not like birds. Uh, it is something that somehow we're still friends, even though Joelle doesn't like birds. I don't even know how we've managed. I respect birds. I just fear them right. as, as well. I see. You know, yeah. I don't want to hunt them down. I don't, you know, have a vendetta against the birds. I just would prefer they stay on their side of the street. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they get the sky. I'll stay on the ground. It's no problem. What about penguins? Penguins are more like plushies, and therefore they can stay. I see. They don't. They don't. Turkeys kind of need to learn to fly. Qualify as birds to you? Yes. So if a bird is, I guess, if a bird is round enough and on the ground enough, mm-hmm. that's okay with you. Yes. If its cheeks can apple, it can hang around. Okay. <laughs> Adorable. Adorable. Love a penguin. All of them. <laughs> the little ones. The tall ones. The t- tuxedoed ones. <laughs> All penguins are welcome here. The business uh, casual ones. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Turkeys need to learn to fly, though. I need them to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Terrifying. Turkeys are a little more dinosaur-like. I get that. Uh, they are sort of, you know, the, the head The head is a little bit, mm, you know. Gnarled, yeah. one might say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we aren't focusing on birds today. We were just talking about all the animals who use natural medicine. I feel like we think as humans that we kind of cornered the market on medicine, that we're the only ones who use it. But in fact, animals have been using medicine probably far longer than humans ever have. And they find everything out there in nature. 
So, Joelle, have you ever seen a bear scratching its back against a tree? Sure have. I have, too. I actually saw one in person once from far away. Otherwise, I would have pee-peed and poo-pooed my pants. Um, (laughs) It was close up. I have a healthy fear of bears. Uh, And reasonable. Yes, very reasonable. But this one was quite far away. It was from, I think I was staying at a lodge or something in the sequoias and there was a window you could look out and I saw in the distance a bear scratching its back against a tree and it was so cute. It's adorable. They look like they're dancing and just shaking their groove thing. I know. They look so into it. It looks so like they're just having the time of their life. They look adorable. I know they could rip my face off and eat it like a big lasagna, but I still think they're really cute, especially when they do the whole back scratchies against the tree. They just, they seem like they are in utter bliss when they do that. Top tier moment for bears. So what do you think that they are trying to do when they are scratching their back against a tree? Katie, are they not trying to scratch an itch? They probably are. Here's the thing, is that it's probably a number of things. Like, it's probably itchy for the itchies. Uh, they may also be marking territory. It's probably like a multi-functional thing, right? Like they they get sure. the itchies out, and then also other bears know that Gerald was here and he had an itchy butt. Uh, but there may be yet another reason. Recently, as reported by the New York Times, researchers have found that. Brown and black bears seem particularly attracted to using specific species of conifer trees. And furthermore, they are attracted to the scent of beech tar in experimental settings. And the researchers suspect that they may be selecting specific trees for a reason. Zoopharmacognosy, which is a big word, which basically means... uh, Animals that select specific plants or substances and either eat them or apply them topically to treat themselves for a variety of conditions such as parasite infestation or the itchies. Oh, my gosh. Trees are so helpful. They really are. I would never have thought. (laughs) Trees are good. In general, hot take. I like trees. They're good for Love us. Love a tree. Yes. They keep the birds away from me. Oh, they house the birds. Yes, there you go. Up off the floor and away from where I walk, and that's beautiful of them. Keeps and they're them, just pretty. Yeah, keeps them birds arboreal. Uh, so you <laughs> may have observed zoo pharmacognosy uh, yourself. Every time your cat or your dog eats grass and throws up, maybe a case of your cat or dog medicating itself so often (laughs) but not always grass eating is a way for your cat or your dog to help with a tummy ache or infection of an intestinal parasite and as you may know uh, it causes them to throw up or sometimes have diarrhea which can help them get rid of the parasite or stomach bug whatever it is causing them distress Although sometimes they just eat grass because they like how it tastes. So my dog is definitely the latter because she will just like mow a lawn. I'm like, what are you doing, kid? Like, get (laughs) out of here. Yeah, you know it's gonna make you sick. And she's like, but what if I just had a little bit more of this grass? Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, like my dog, I think sometimes likes to nibble grass. It's very specific grass she likes to eat, though. That like this thick. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the species of grass much, but it's like the thicker grass. And she maybe it's called crabgrass. I'm not really sure, but she likes that. And she's also a dog who likes a good vegetable, so she'll eat bell peppers. Um, with a gusto. So I think in her case, sometimes grass eating is more of a culinary exploration than trying to Mm. get rid of a tummy ache. But for uh, other cats and dogs, sometimes they will eat it because they've got a tummy ache. That's good to know. And then you can kind of keep an eye out. Be like, oh, their tummy's not feeling good. Yeah. Keep track of it a little bit. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's not something to panic over. Like you said, like if your cat or dog regularly eats grass and they've otherwise got a clean bill of health from the vet, like they probably just like the flavor. 
It's sort of like I love ginger and ginger beer, and I also <laughs> love it for tummy aches. It's great. It's perfect for tummy aches and delicious just for, for no reason. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll drink it just because it's good, but I'll also drink yeah. it when I've got a tummy ache. Fortunately, it doesn't make me yak up a bunch of grass onto that the carpet. That would be awful. <laughs> yeah. Dogs need big pharma so they can get pills that don't make them sick. <laughs> So, yeah, so it is a relatively common thing found in animals that they will eat stuff or apply stuff to make themselves feel better. And so back to the bears, researchers found that bears seem to select specific trees, specific conifers. And they also found that beech tar and turpentine, so turpentine is distilled tree resin. You wouldn't really find it much in nature, but it, it like the 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 tree resin in this distilled form, but still it is a strong smell that would be similar to the kinds of like tree resin that you would find in the trees. And so in experimental settings, both of these compounds seem to attract bears. And more importantly, they seem to repel ticks. So ticks oh. are a menace to furry society. Uh, and yes. It's hard when you're a big bear, even though you got those big arms with big old claws still to get mm. get all those ticks off you, especially ones that are like right, right on your back. You know, it's, it's hard. Oh, oh, right in the middle where if you get a bad itch, you would need a tree to scratch. Yeah. Now you got to pull ticks out. Plus, ticks carry so much disease. So that's no way, yep. you know. Exactly. Exactly. Parasites are not just a nuisance. They can be quite dangerous. And. So far, while the evidence is circumstantial, it seems plausible that the bears are, in addition to getting that nice scratch on, which, gosh, it just, if you, I mean, like, I imagine being a bear and getting that nice itchy tree would just be the best feeling. But then also, they are getting potentially some tree sap as insect repellent when they are scratching themselves on the bark. And so they are getting this, like, it's like a back scratcher plus ZEET combination. <laughs> Walmart, start selling that immediately. Oh my God, yes. sell out. I'd buy okay, it. In the summer, it's hot. I'm not trying to move around too much. Love a two-in-one appliance. Brilliant. Just pocket-sized conifer. Give me a little pocket tree <laughs> to scratch my back on. Amazing. Also, bears have been observed mixing osha roots and their own saliva into a kind of sticky paste that they rub all over their bodies, which may Whoa. double as an insect repellent and bite-soothing substance. Bears are foraging for moisturizers. That yeah. is crazy. They belong on TikTok. They Put really the foraging do. bears on TikTok right now. Yeah, I know. I... I I'm so intimidated by like skincare routines online where it's just there's like a 5,000 serums that you put on in a specific sure, sure. order, you know, masks. You're, you're supposed to, I mean, like, it's like your face is an old timey photograph that you're trying to treat <laughs> in a dark room. And it's intimidating. Once I got to the droppers, I was like, this is so much. I was so, I got one that has like, retinol and collagen in it and i was like okay it's gonna like firm and like refine perfect but then i was scared of it like it was a chemical because i only use like pipettes in chemistry labs i was right. like how can i <laughs> do i touch it is it safe it's very weird it's so weird it is very strange i i have to admit i do use like do like have my own very small in comparison skincare routine but it mm. is uh I, I try to keep it simple. Otherwise, it's just, it's madness. It's I'm uh, at, I max out at five steps. Five skincare yeah. routine steps, and that that's yeah. enough. Yeah. I, it's like I wash my face, maybe some kind yeah. of exfoliation, and then yeah. moisturize, and then that's it. Sure. I, can't, I can't think about it anymore. Otherwise, that's all I'm going to be doing all day. But that, it seems like what you need on a very day-to-day -day basis, and then I'll have, like, masks and, like, overnight moisturizers because i don't know that's what older ladies did before me when they would hit their 30s they were like okay now a night cream that's right. it that's that's what we're doing period right. maybe just like <laughs> i could fill an immersion tank up with some sort of viscous goo that oh my keeps goodness. me youthful 
and I sleep in that. That would be like a like science a Disney experiment. villain. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm young forever in my vat of goo. Right, right. <laughs> don't ask what the goo is made out of. Certainly not the blood of virgins. Don't. don't worry about no, it. No, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, no. It uh, only looks like blood <laughs> extract. <laughs> but yeah, so bears have a very simple, a very simple skincare routine. Definitely belongs on TikTok, though. I'd watch the heck out of a bear beauty influencer just chewing on Stop roots it. and slathering its own saliva all over its face. Just adorable. Teach can me you- how to put on lashes, little bear. I'm ready. Can you imagine a Paddington uh, influencer just like Paddington oh on God. TikTok? That, that's, that would get me in. That would finally get me into TikTok. Like, I've resisted so far. But if Paddington was on TikTok... Talking about his little his little uh, beauty routines, I, 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 that'd be it. I'd be done. His overall collection alone would be enough to draw me in. Let's go, <laughs> team up of the century. <laughs> so, this habit of bears potentially to be using these substances as bug repellent is not unprecedented at all in the animal kingdom. There are lots of other examples. For instance, capuchin monkeys. These are New World monkeys found in Central and South America, and they have a habit of rubbing smelly, acidic plants all over their bodies as insect repellent. They've been found to rub citrus, clematis flower, and pepper plants over their fur to deter parasites, which I also imagine makes them smell lovely. I was going to say, so now we're also making perfumes. Yeah. Very lovely. Again, foraged in the forest with their bare hands. Talk about work. Uh, hashtag Amish life. <laughs> I would absolutely, I absolutely watch these berries get down on the TikTok. I also feel like I have enough of those ingredients that I could be making my own at home, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, all around. And and sure I could I'm, find some pepper root. <laughs> yeah. So these these uh. Capuchin monkeys also in captivity, they will use plants that are not available to them in the wild, but still effective. Uh, At the Dudley Zoo in England, captive capuchin monkeys use spring onions given to them by caretakers and rub them all over themselves. They just go, they, they love these, these spring onions. They'll grab them and apparently immediately start rubbing themselves down, rubbing under their little armpits, uh How rubbing like they know. I is this it, is do you think it's like smell or some sense that they have that's heightened that we don't where they're like, oh this is yeah. good for me. Yeah, I think it's a strong smell. And it may even be sort of a more like they may be able to smell that it's kind of acidic. And it's uh, that acidic smell that's like, oh this this goes right on my body. Uh and okay. parents will rub their young with it as well. So just kind of like rub down the babies that are too young to kind of know how to do it themselves. And so it's my my suspicion is that it is a combination of instinct and learning because they are social animals. And so they probably instinctively know like which smells kind of right to them. But there may be right. some aspect of social learning uh, in them. Because their their parents will rub them down as well. Okay. All right. I love that. Onions is protection. Yeah. Witches do it too. Human witches and <laughs> monkeys. I keep, I always get garlic and onions mixed up. So I feel like I would probably try to ward off a vampire with onions. And then it's like, oh, wow, it's <laughs> great. Now my human meal comes with some onions. <laughs> mixing garlic and onion is the best way to start any dish i mean honestly it really is <laughs> this is the magic to, mm. to making your kitchen smell divine mm, it's just onions so and garlic so yeah yeah that's like oh man goes in anything chocolate cake salad yeah yeah <laughs> listen you can highlight your chocolate cake with it just roast a little garlic sprinkle it on top i promise you it's a surprise you'll be like bam <laughs> that's really flavorful so another animal who likes to rub stuff on themselves are the white-nosed coatis, who are adorable mm. mammals who live in Mexico, Central, and South America. And coatis sort of, they look like elongated raccoon. Like you took a raccoon and just kind of stretched it out a little bit. 
Ooh. They've got longer snouts, longer tails, and they're very, they're very cute. They like to scratch the bark of certain plants and then rub themselves or others in the sap. So they might even take some of the sap and rub like a comrade up with this sap. And the sap has been found to have insect repellent properties. Nice. I like that they're like, listen, mosquitoes, I know we're out here in the jungle, all animals, but what we won't be doing is devouring me. As somebody who was allergic to mosquitoes as a child, Oof. I get it. Man, I, I, I wish that there was this team up between you and the Kawadis and they were just like rubbing sap on little child Joel. I mean, like, it's all right. We're your magical animal friends and we're here to help you. I used to rub popsicles on them because they hurt. Oh. So they'd be like icy. But then, of course, now I'm covered in like sticky sugar. Oh, so no. the mosquitoes came and ate me some more. No. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, <laughs> poor baby Joel. I oh, was uh, like seven. It was really a problem. <laughs> you really did. You really did need the Disney princess treatment of having some magical Kawadi and bear friends. Ugh. It would have been so great. I would have been less lonely and less bitten up. <laughs> oh. Unfortunately for you, the last animal we're going to talk about is birds uh, in relation to animals who rub anti-insect repellent on them. The ironic right, twist yeah. here is that the birds use insects to get rid of insects. So uh, tons oh. of... Yeah. So tons of bird species do something called anting, where they rub ants all over their feathers, which causes the ants to release formic acid, which is a defense mechanism. And then this formic acid is not strong enough to hurt the birds, but it coats their feathers and acts as a lice killer. This is horrific and ingenious. <laughs> so for these poor ants who are like, no, I know what I'll do. Let me just ooze out this thing that usually stops things from killing me. And they're like, it's not working. It's just making them stronger. And then they're crushed to death. They're, yeah. they're, they don't exist anymore. Um, for the birds, like, what a find. Just if I roll around in some ants, now I don't have lice. I mean, for human me, that's a really, that's a, a difficult trade-off. Yeah. Uh, I hate swarms of things and both of these creatures. No, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I want Joel. neither, please. Can't do it. Well, oh, no. See, this is the difference between you and me. When you were seven, you were getting attacked by mosquitoes and tried to use popsicles. When I was seven, I was eating ants and trying to attack birds. Well, not attack were birds. Were you Eliza Thornberry? What was happening? I don't know. I mean, maybe a little bit. I tried to catch birds. I would like. I think I saw some Wile E. Coyote cartoons, and I set up um. like a box with a stick and put some bird seed under it. And I thought this will work. Um, it didn't. It didn't work at all. <laughs> but I. But ants were easier to just maybe. I, okay, when I was seven, I probably wasn't eating ants at that point. I think that was more of a five-year-old me activity because I was curious and they taste you know kind of peppery they're not bad that's your scientist adventurer spirit yeah and they've become quite a delicacy across the culinary world so clearly there's something right. delicious going on there exactly. I just haven't discovered it yet <laughs> hey this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So before we start asking animals to be our doctors, handing out MDs. Um, <laughs> I think it is important to point out that while some animals like primates may learn how to use medicine by observing their elders or through cause and effect, for many animals, it is most likely instinctive. Just as animals instinctively seek out food and find food appetizing that fulfills their nutritive needs, medical substances may simply taste good or be attractive to them. 
and it may be instinctive. But still, what's really interesting is that animals seem to not just passively eat beneficial plants all the time like as part of their diet, but seem to respond dynamically to having certain symptoms or injuries and will use the substance to uh, treat themselves, which I I think that is what's so interesting to me is like it kind of makes sense like to – you know, if you eat a certain plant, it's like, oh, this plant also has anti-inflammatory properties. And it's like, great. But if you eat something, like you have something happen to you, like when a dog or cat has a tummy ache and then they eat the grass, that's so interesting to me that there is there is this instinctive ability to treat a current ailment. Yes, it definitely comes across as like, thinking like reaching for something very specific as opposed to like this is my natural instinct it's like oh tummy hurts eat grass which i'm sure is what their thought process is uh as opposed to like oh maybe this grass will cure me i'll help that parasite pass it's just very i think it's kind of cool to think about like what instinctually humans know to do to right. heal well, thirsty, drink mm-hmm. water. We're not like, well, this will yeah. help my cell homeostasis of my cells work good when I drink this water. We're just like, ah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> drink this water now. Exactly. Exactly. Although, I don't know. Maybe some people think in terms of uh, their cellular homeostasis. I don't know. It's not me. It's not. I can it's tell you me. that. I have never considered that as I'm reaching for a glass of water. Mm. Homeostasis. I just had myself a big gulp of homeostasis. (laughs) So before I continue, I want to do a shout out to Eraldo Medieros Costaneto, who is a professor at the University Estatal de Fiera de Santana of Brazil, who wrote an excellent and comprehensive article called Zoopharmacognosi, the self-medication behavior of animals, from which I got a ton of info. So that is a great article if you want to learn more. So Some zoo pharmacognosy behaviors may be hard to catch in lab environments, but have been observed by people living near these animals for centuries. So a lot of times, like, things will be written in folklore or passed down Mm -hmm. kind of in oral histories. um, And it's really important to pay attention to these things because while it's true that, like, it is good to have scientific method and try to establish things in these experimental settings. These observations by a lot of cultures are really, really significant when it comes to understanding animal behavior because it is it can be really hard to be able to witness animal behavior, being in the right place at the right time for a wild animal. And also when you take a wild animal and say put it in a laboratory setting, they won't have the same behaviors. So I think it is so important to take seriously these accounts of cultures over many centuries of the animals that they have observed. I don't watch animals that closely. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like, I'm like, uh, you know, maybe my dog, but like, she's like my roommate almost. I'm like, hey, you good? You know, you had enough water. Like, oh, she's a little lethargic today. Uh, but I'm trying to imagine like being out in the wild and being like, oh, that animal's medicating itself. Brilliant. <laughs> people are so smart. People are, that is an incredible skill. I yes. think the, the people who are like, I can sit patiently and wait for animals to respond and react and teach me something about the environment. Yes, seriously. And also like throughout history, I think there's been a lot of evidence of humans like observing animal behavior, especially when it comes to what they eat and medicate with and then copying that. And discovering Mm -hmm. things that are helpful in human medicine. So there is this example of species of tegu. So these are large lizards found in Central South America and Panama. So tegus are black, brown, and white lizards. They typically grow a little over three feet long, about a meter. The largest species, the black and white tegu, grows a little over four feet long or 1.3 meters. So they're they're hefty, you know. That's pretty. a big lizard. That's a big lizard, yeah. They are burrowing lizards and they live in rainforests, Whoa. deciduous forests, and grasslands. So they are omnivores and will eat anything that they can from small rodents, birds, eggs, insects, fruits, amphibians, and carrion to human food that they steal from mini marts. Wow, they're not picky. No, 
No, they're they have a wide palate and they are not too snooty to say no to some fast food. I love that for them. <laughs> so some tegus are actually kept as pets and they can apparently be quite chill in captivity. But in the wild, they are not that chill. They will whip you with <laughs> their tail if they think that you're trying to attack it. But apparently pet tegus can be, you know, pretty relaxed. Oh, cute. I want one. They're adorable. <laughs> I For some reason, pet lizards always crack me up. I just, I don't know. It, it's it's so funny to me because I I definitely respect lizards and I think they are conscious, but I suspect that their sort of entire philosophy on life is so different from anything even remotely human that they are probably <laughs> completely bewildered by being a pet. Like, okay, well, I'm in this thing's lap now. That's interesting. I, I just, you know, because like I can, like with a with a cat or a dog or a pig or a bird, I kind of see certain social behaviors they have. Right. That, like they kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm buddies with this human then. But like with tegus and other lizards like it's not that i think they can't have affection for their owners but it's something lizardy and i'm not sure what yeah, it is it's much harder to show for a lizard even it really any reptile like I, I people love snakes and you know power to you but i don't even know if that pet really sees you as like owner and pet as your relationship i don't you know, know. What I mean? Yeah, Other I'm than, not... like, thing that cleans my environment every once in a while. Right. The problem is, I mean, the thing is, like, a lot a lot of reptiles are not particularly social. That doesn't necessarily yeah. mean an animal can't have the cognition to, like, be friendly to a human. That, that, that That's not – because, you know, cats uh, aren't, like, super social either right. in the wild. Cer cer like, certainly the – types of cats that our domesticated cats came from, but they can be. I think it's just like reptiles are so, their brains are just so different. And so I, I just, I feel like maybe they're like, wow, this is a cool tree. It like moves around and yeah. it's warm. And I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so in oh, a... Uh, Brazilian folklore, there are various anecdotal accounts over the centuries that hold that tegus will eat a certain type of root after being bitten by a venomous snake. So the root is called batata de teu, which I think means tegu root. And it's also known as the jatropha elliptica, jatropha elliptica. And this plant has also been used in human folk medicine for snake bites. So, oh. yeah. So research on the plant has revealed that the plant does contain compounds that can have a neutralizing effect on pit viper venom. So I find it highly credible, highly likely that people saw these tegus chewing on these roots after being bitten by snakes and then copied that and found that the roots had this neutralizing effect for snake bites. That is incredible. That, because literally in the wild, that's such a miracle. Like it, when I think about all the things that we do nowadays to like create an anti venom, they had to collect the poison and then do your science thing and and change it. And here's this root that grows naturally. I mean, that I will can... say, don't give up on the anti venoms because I think those are probably <laughs> a good deal Holist more effective. Uh, Holistic medicine only, Katie. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no. Trust the anti-venom. Yes. However. I want it if I'm bitten. Right. But how? But if you are in dire straits, right, you don't have access to anti-venom or in times before we were able to develop anti-venom. Yeah. This stuff seems to have had an effect and it's, you know, we this is sort of the course of human history there the, we discovered plants and substances that have these properties now we can refine those to much greater extent we can like isolate the compounds that actually have the effect that we want but a lot of these compounds are things that originated from nature so we learn from nature we can 
you know, back before we were able to develop uh, medicine in the same way that we do today um, with pharmaceuticals, we, we were able to find stuff. Uh, you know, again, it's not saying like, go and eat a bunch of roots and see what happens. I, I think that <laughs> it's nice that a lot of people did that before our, our time mm-hmm. and, and yes, trial yes. tested various roots and berries and stuff. So we don't have to do that as much. Thank you for your sacrifice, ancestors, <laughs> because I don't want to. Right. Um, not to torment you too much, Joelle, but I do want oh, to gosh. talk about birds real briefly again. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so sometimes birds will build their entire homes out of medicine. So What? Yeah. It's just like, man, if I could have walls made out of Tylenol and just lick the wall whenever I had a headache, I'd so do that. <laughs> Very helpful. It's like the Charlie, Ch- the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, but it's like Willy Wonka's yes. funky house of pharmaceuticals, and the walls <laughs> are made of Tylenol, and the chairs are made out of I don't know Xanax, all good stuff. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, so. European starlings will line their nests with wild carrot plants, which contain B. pseudosterol, which deters oh. mites and stops mites from laying eggs. Well, that's good. Yeah. Again, diseases. So many. Yes. It's like kind of, I don't know, it's like putting mothballs in your closet, except you live on the mothballs. I'm not sure it's healthy to live on mothballs. Uh, uh, it uh, wouldn't smell good at the very no. least. No, but cedar, I mean, people have used cedar, like cedar chests and cedar furniture, which sure. helps deter things like moths and insects. So, you know. Also, house sparrows are sophisticated enough in their behavior that they may switch their building nest materials based on environmental factors During malaria outbreaks, it's been observed that house sparrows use more paradise flower leaves in their nests. These leaves are rich in quinine, which can help with symptoms of malaria. So researchers suspect that the birds may be instinctively selecting leaves that help ease their malarial symptoms, which I think is really interesting. I mean, that's great, because again, what do I know about malaria? It's painful and not fun. No. So the fact that they can switch it up just by bu- using different building materials. Have you did, have you ever gotten malaria? No, thank God. Oh, God. Good. I was like, because you, when you were saying like what I know about malaria, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, just from the, my textbook learning. Yes, <laughs> good, good. Oh. <laughs> not from personal experience. Good, no. man, because I've had like... I've had, I have not had malaria, but I, I have had, um, you know, tummy troubles that have caused uh, lots of bathroom time, let's say. And <laughs> I, to the point where sometimes like, wait, is this, am I dying? Am I just going to potty myself to death here? Nobody um, likes that moment. Is, nobody is likes death? that moment. And Malaria is like that, but on steroids, from what I can tell. And that's, it's horrifying. And it sweeps through a community very quickly. Yes. Easily transferable. Like, malaria is not anything to mess around with. No. No. Exactly. Would build a house to protect me from malaria if I could. Yeah. it's, it's, It's not great. I mean, it is amazing how many interventions that humans have come up with for malaria, from mosquito nets to a sort of like uh, decreasing mosquito populations through like gene editing and stuff. So it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we we do have ways to combat it. I, I'm just, it's so interesting to me that animals as well, have like, you know, like screw this malaria thing. This is horrible. I don't know how they do it, but it's, I'm glad they did. And the nest looks really dope. <laughs> so, so you did it. I mean, style, function, it's all there. There you go. Yeah. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, 
It's got standard third row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I think it's kind of interesting that a lot of complaints about medicine is that it's unnatural. Have you heard that kind of thing where it's like, oh, oh, you know, sure. You're putting random things in your body. Blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. Which is funny. Some people who say that are like anti-medicine are like, oh, why would I put these toxins in my body? And then they like, turns out like they smoke and drink alcohol. Oh, my gosh. Or like, don't bother reading anything that's in their food. Right. Um, but I also think people get like weirded out. They're like, oh, it's genetically modified. I'm like, that's really good. That helps us not starve. Yeah. <laughs> like, it helps make our plants uh, more resistant to things like acid rain. You want some genetically modified materials in the food you eat that it's not all bad. Like you yeah. have to be discerning. Yeah. Genetic modification doesn't worry me in terms of like my health. So like when you, if you genetically mm-hmm. modify, say, a tomato, it's not going to poison you. They would notice nope. if they accidentally modified a tomato to be poisonous. The, the <laughs> only a big thing for the yeah. scientists. Be like, wait a minute now. Oops, this tomato has teeth now. We didn't mean to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not really a concern. The only like the only concern with like genetic modification is you don't want to make a plant that's like so tough. It outcompetes natural plants, but we do that right. anyways just through selective breeding of plants and farming uh, practices, we already do that. So it's not like genetic modification is unique in that respect. It's just, you know, the the same problems we have with, say, agriculture and, say, like introducing a species somewhere or uh, monocultures. It's the same. It's the same stuff. Like genetic modification has the same potential perils as that, but it is not inherently a dangerous thing. It's just like any other technology right. that could have negative outcomes, but certainly it's not, it's not just, oh, it sounds sciencey and therefore it's dangerous. It's like, no, I mean, like certain, like the Dust Bowl, that kind of ecological disaster was just from farming practices. It had nothing to do with like, you know, modern science of genetic modification that that was just classic farming problems and weather issues. I think it's always funny that people think natural things are inherently better, which I feel like listeners to this podcast know can't be true given that nature is Mm. full of terrifying parasites, animals who eat their own offspring, and general mayhem. So it's not like nature is this soft, gentle place. It is, it's just, it is what it is. It's nature. It's full of all sorts of things. It's literally chaos. It is literally chaos. So many things happen. Some things that are like highly organized and function in the same way for millennia. Something that's just new and popping off every day. Nature is wild and completely unpredictable. And I'm so glad science was like, what if we tried to put some order to some of this chaos? <laughs> right, exactly. And so when it comes to medicine, it's like, well, medicine, you know, being a, like upset that medicine isn't natural. I mean, animals, you know, use medicine. So they they kind of seek out their own medical treatments in ways. And so it's like, you know, it is not it is not unnatural to use medicine. It's just that we have often refined medicine to a much greater extent than animals are capable of doing. One thing in particular I think that people have hangups about are like reproductive health, use of hormone treatments. We're like, oh, well, but that's like it's unnatural to do those things. Like there is this it's a specific thing. Like once you start, it, like controlling your own reproductive health, there's there's a mm. lot of like pearl clutching over it being like, sure, oh, well, yep. that's not natural. But actually, there's some evidence that animals may have figured out how to have some control over their reproductive health for a long time. That is mind blowing, Katie. What? How? <laughs> So the southern Mariqui, also known as the woolly spider monkey, is a New World monkey found in Brazil. They are the largest primates found in the Americas, although they really 
cannot compete with old world monkeys or old world primates in terms of size. So these weigh around 30 pounds or 15 kilograms. They are brown. They are fluffy. They are absolutely adorable. They eat fruit and they help disperse fruit seeds. They are sometimes called the hippie monkey because aggression what? within groups of monkeys is rare and they are super peaceful. Oh, I love them already. I know. So females and males are similar in size, so there's not really any aggression based on sex, and there's not really much hierarchy in these groups. The only aggression they really have is sometimes they will attack like outsiders, monkeys that aren't in the group, uh, and it's unknown exactly why or when they do that. So it's not like they are... A hundred percent pacifists, but they are much, a very, very surprisingly peaceful species of monkey. I am upset that they have a bad rap when they're actually out here just being kind, generous souls. Okay, <laughs> what do these? This is possibly racist. I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get. Yeah, like I don't know. It, it's. Kind of funny to me calling them hippie monkeys. It's like kind of insulting. I don't know. But they are, yeah, they're, they're very sweet uh, species of monkeys. And really interestingly, during mating periods, female mariquis have been observed to eat plants that contain isoflavonoids, which can raise the female's estrogen and decreases her fertility. Wow! Um, yeah, but these same monkeys have also been observed eating plants that contain stigmasterol, which may increase her fertility. So these two plants, they will eat, you know, alternatingly throughout mating periods that can either increase or decrease their fertility. So uh, this, while this hasn't been proven... It is possible that these monkeys are able to control the chance of reproductive success based on eating these plants. So I think it is something that would be really, really fascinating to see more research on because it appears like they have the tools to be able to exert some amount of reproductive control, which to be fair, like a lot of animals do, it's just usually has something to do with uh, biology, like being able to reject mm. sperm packets or, you know, like, um, but with, with these, they may actually be using plants to control their fertility. That is so smart. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I had no clue any animal could do this, but to know that they can do it, you know, in both directions, they get to choose. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I one of my pet peeves. Now I I don't have any children, but I have seen these things about like people talking about how like if you have any medical assistance with like pregnancy or fertility or like say you have a C-section rather than giving, you know, a, a, a quote unquote natural birth like that somehow it doesn't count. And that is so silly to me. It's like, sure, okay, just don't wear glasses then I guess cuz that's not natural. Don't, you know, like so many, like you're wearing clothes. Like, what are you talking about that it's not, it doesn't count if someone has medical inter interventions for pregnancy? Right. They, people are stingy with their uh, acknowledgments sometimes. And I'm sure they just want to chalk it up to like, oh, they're just dumb animals. They're just eating food. Like, it doesn't make a difference when I feel like. Even animals, even when they're moving on instinct, like nothing is happening for just no reason. It is chaos, but you know, again, people are out here making choices, and even animals get to make choices, right? Uh, like your dog prefers the crabgrass, <laughs> some of the others. That's what she likes. So you know, I think it's it's strange, especially given the way we've seen you know animals that. Uh, mimic our way of thinking or maybe not mimic, but have similar patterns. For example, like elephants mourn their dead and like raise their kids and they have like whole protective stances. Like we know animals have feelings and cognitive thoughts about how they want to move through the world. 
And so I think to deny, you know, these animals, their reproductive rights, shame on you, <laughs> world boo. <laughs> yeah, shame on us for also denying ourselves reproductive rights. Hey, um, there it is. Yeah, and uh, actually, speaking of elephants, Joel, African elephants have been observed <gasps> to possibly exhibit reproductive zoopharmacognosy uh, as they will seek out leaves from the Boraginaceae, no wait, Boraginaceae, yeah, I think I got it, Boraginaceae trees to induce labor. What? So the, these same trees, these same leaves is something that humans have been using for centuries to induce labor in folk medicine in many parts of the world where these Boraginaceae trees exist. And it seems like through observational evidence that Elephants may do the same thing. How very midwife of them. Yes. I knew elephants are like a top three animal for me. Love an elephant. And so this does not surprise me at all that they found ways to be. They're like, that baby is in breach. We got to induce labor immediately. <laughs> Get him out here. Please make a Grey's Anatomy show, but with elephants. Because I'll oh my watch God. it. I'd, I'll be here. I would watch that so much. I mean, Old also, grandma elephant really holding down the fort. Like you got your bulls on the outside. They're definitely the surgeons where they're just all cocky for no reason. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. I, I would love like elephant society is so fascinating. First of all, it's like pretty much a matriarchy. So it is the uh, female elder female elephants sharing all their knowledge, passing it down. The males are typically will be the ones that disperse. So they will leave the group when they are adults and go off and find a new group of elephants to like mate with and such. So the females are kind of the constant core of a uh, a group of elephants, a pack of elephants. So they um, will kind of pass on a lot of parenting skills as well. So you'll have like these grand grandmas and mom and aunts and stuff and they all uh, they often show a lot of interest too when an elephant is giving birth like there will be a crowd of elephants including juvenile elephants who have not had experience with this yet and it's like they're just passing all this information along often like the elder elephants will teach younger mothers like how they're supposed to take care of the young elephants and stuff and kind of like correct them on how to you know say the elephant trips over it's like look this is what you do so it is it is really amazing i think also that they seem to have i mean it's not surprising to me given that they seem to have very sophisticated abilities to understand like remembering information that is important like remembering certain routes that they need to take or like if the weather mm-hmm, is a certain mm-hmm. way they know to take a different route in this case, being able to identify a plant that is potentially helpful to induce labor when, you know, they are having perhaps some issues or something. I, I think it's it's I, I think it's very, very plausible that this is totally intentional. I also think it's plausible that this is something that they've learned and that this is something that's passed down as information. Um, I mean, of course, these, this is something that would need more observational studies to kind of confirm. But yeah, I think that elephants are sophisticated enough that I would, I would suspect that they would be able to pass on information about like these medicinal plants to to younger elephants. Oh, for sure, a hundred percent. And they're so be in the lab cooking. Yes, <laughs> teach the young. Just I don't know. They're so uh they they I also just they're so the wrinkliness of elephants, it's like they're always wearing pants. I like their little eyes. They're yeah. so cute. Also they are have uh boobs like people. Like they're one of the only Yeah, they do. They're one of the only animals out there where the females have boobs like human women do. Uh, most uh, most animals, like their teats are smaller, less boobular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, elephants got big old honkers, and I'm not talking about their trunks. <laughs> it was shocking the first time I saw it. I was like, wait, what? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yep. But And then I wanted to get her a bra, but I was like, I bet support from down there is easier than us trying to balance these things on our chest for walking around all day they're like no that just hangs low down there it's fine yeah 
There's nothing where I do not need support. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see someone trying to fit an elephant for a bra, though. That would be... Yes, please. Yeah. I would volunteer as tribute. Adorable. I feel like you would need some structural engineers to figure out how, like, the tensile strength for You'll a bra for an elephant. You'll need assistance. You'll need... <laughs> there'll be trial and, you know, trial tests and... What do we put on the sides? Oh my gosh! A team so of much engineers. To think about. Yes, but no bows because we're over that. <laughs> well, Joel, before we go, we've got to play a little game, and that game is called the Mystery Animal Sound Game. Every week, I play a mystery animal sound, and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who is squawking, and it can Love be. It any animal in the world. So last week's mystery animal sound hint was, is there a frog in your mouth or are you just happy to see me? So <laughs> here is the sound. Oops, nope, that's an ad. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I was like, what animal was that? <laughs> it's an ad for Fanta, which I get now because ah, I'm in okay, Europe. Okay, that makes sense. So, Joel, can you guess who is making that sound? It sounded like a ghost frog. Wow. I don't know what that is, but that's what it sounded like <laughs> to me. I mean, this is sometimes called a ghost bird. Uh, this, what? Yes. This is the common potu. It is a bird related to frog mouth birds and night jars. Congratulations to Auntie B. Grant W. and Joey P., who all guess correctly. So, Whoa. like frogmouth birds, they have wide frog-like mouths. They are found in tropical regions of Central and South America. They hunt insects at night, and during the day, they like to pretend to be a part of a tree with their coloring and stiff posture resembling a jagged end of a tree stump. So, they'll kind of like, like sort of uh, put their head in the air and flatten their bodies out to make themselves look more convincingly like part of a tree. Oh. It's it's very funny. All right. But yes, unfortunately it is a bird and it is one that I I think it's on the creepier side of birds. To me it's really cute though. Like the huge mouth is funny to me, but nope. I could I, I could also see an argument for it being horrifying. I'm not here for the Muppet birds, okay? <laughs> the giant mouths that could swallow me whole, all right? Again, once these things remember that they're actually dinosaurs, it's over for us. I Yeah, but see, this is why I'm trying to be on the side of the birds so that when that time comes, they'll use me as like their millet butler. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's a good plan. My my long game is just they know that I respect them. And so when they become our overlords, I'm going to just do what they say. I'm like, okay, Mr. Bird, you already know I'm afraid. Just tell me what to do and I'll yeah. do it. I don't like it here. It's fine. You want me to use this toothbrush to give you a little head scratches? I will do that. Anything you say. <laughs> Hopefully not my toothbrush. <laughs> bird punishment using your toothbrush to give them scratchies <laughs> all right now on to this week's mystery animal sound the hint this is one peeved pissed particularly provoked pond paddler oh did you hear that i did he's an angry fella so, Joel, who do you think is making that sound? I am going to suggest that it is a vampire pig. Again, not sure what that is, but it <laughs> sounds like a mix between like an angry Dracula and a struggling pig. Huh. Interesting. Vampire pig. That's my vote. I love it. I love it. Um, well, maybe next week we will find out if this is indeed a porcine Dracula or something else. Uh, if you think you know who is making this sound, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. Joelle, thank you so much for coming on the show and tolerating a few birds here and there. 
Where can people oh find God. you? Katie, thank you so much for having me back. And every time I come, I face my fear of birds and I get a little <laughs> less afraid. So I'm, I'm grateful for you. Uh, you guys can follow me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Please do that. Joelle is fantastic. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and thank you, the listener, for, you know, using your ears to listen to it. I appreciate that. And I also appreciate whenever you leave a rating or review. I read all the reviews and they mean so much to me. And I really, really do appreciate it when you take a little bit of time out of your day. Tell me what you think of the podcast. It's just really wonderful. And thank you to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.